Welcome to the pre Pod. My name is Lexi. And my name is Natalie. And we're a podcast by students for students who are here to meet you wherever you are. How's it going, Natalie? It's going so good. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited because my really good friend, Hannah Fry, is here with me today. I want to go ahead and introduce Hannah and get her on the pod. Hannah graduated from Arizona State University with a Bachelor of Science in Biological Sciences and a Certificate in Cross-Sector Leadership. Go Devils! Throughout her entire time at ASU, Hannah participated in the Next Generation Service Corps and volunteered at several nonprofits focused on food insecurity. During her undergraduate studies, Hannah did behavioral science research at ASU and worked at the Translational Genomics Research Institute, conducting research on tuberous sclerosis. Hannah is currently in her second gap year, where she is post-baccalaureate intramural research trainee doing diabetes and obesity research at the National Institute of Health, or the NIH. During her first gap year, Hannah was the clinic manager for a nonprofit free clinic, and she loves to hike, rock climb, and read in her free time. Thanks so much for joining us, Hannah. We're excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you both. Yeah. Um, preface. So nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, preface listeners, Hannah is in the same room as me. We are both huddling over the mic because after this, we wanted to go to the hot tub. <laughs> And so that's kind of where we're at right now. That's fun. No invite, guys. Oh my God, Natalie, you want to come over? I'm totally kidding. Oh my God. It's so fun that you guys are together, though. Wish I was over there. What have you guys been doing? Like, what have you been up to? This morning, um, I went to the grocery store, meal prepped, worked out. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying having some Saturdays off. This is my first year not working on Saturdays, probably since high school. So I'm trying to do as much as I can while I have the free time. Yeah. It's been a pretty good second gap year because we're both now in second gap years, right? Yeah. 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 No, I can tell from that introduction. Doesn't sound like you have a lot of free time. I cannot believe that you've worked every Saturday. That's incredible. Well, congratulations. I hope you relax today and enjoy the hot tub. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure we will. Yeah, pre-meds, you'll get there, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's called a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. this time last year, I was taking the MCAT practice exam every Saturday. So we really? definitely upgraded. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that what you did when you studied? You took the practice exam every week? (laughs) For six weeks before my MCAT, I took it every Saturday. Wow. That's grueling. (laughs) It was not a fun time, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think my practice tests were on Sundays. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Sunday's a rest day, I feel like. You can't you can't do that to yourself. But you said you always worked on Saturdays, Mm -hmm. huh? Yes, yeah. Sundays are my only day off. So yeah, because you took your MCAT at the end of senior year, right? Yes. Well, it was originally scheduled for the end of senior year that April, but I had a lot going on, a lot of personal things happening. So I pushed it back a couple months, but I was still working when I took it. Oh wow. <laughs> busy, <Yeah>. busy bee. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you guys like how you guys met and like became friends because I'm just meeting Hannah for the first time right now. But you said that you're close friends already and you guys are hanging out right now. So how did you guys like become friends? <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. And Hannah, feel free to interrupt me. 
but it's only been a few months that we like, or maybe a few months, maybe like six months. Yeah. I think six months. Yeah. Something like that. Or last summer, we both have a mutual friend and also actually this is all Alex's fault why we didn't meet earlier. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's okay, Alex. We forgive you. But Alex, my boyfriend, worked with Hannah when you guys were RAs, right? Yes. Yes. When we were sophomores in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know Hannah at all then, but then we kind of met through another mutual friend last summer mm-hmm. and we just kind of clicked pretty easily. <laughs> we're both Aww. very similar people. well that's so fun yeah it seems like you guys like have a lot in common already (laughs) oh yeah absolutely and I think it was nice to also be friends with someone that was going through the application cycle at the same time oh for sure a lot of people I knew had already applied to medical school yeah Yeah, surprisingly I didn't know a lot of people in their gap years either Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends from undergrad were already in medical school or got accepted and applied they're like first gap year, but you were the only one who I knew was applying during their second gap year at the time. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like so great to have somebody to go through that process with because it's already so stressful and you probably have so many questions along the way. You might want to be like, Oh, how do you think I should word this? Just have somebody to like bounce ideas off of. I don't know like if that's what you guys did, but I'm very jealous. I wish that I had a friend going through it at the same time as me as well. I need to find. (laughs) Oh, I was gonna say, you know, not really. I feel like we met each other right after we had probably finished our primaries and secondaries. Mm. But that was almost really nice too, because we just got to talk about like how we were feeling and everything that happened. Instead of knowing every detail of each other's secondaries, we could just be really supportive during that time. Yeah, I think it definitely made things easier because we weren't feeding off each other's anxiety (laughs) (laughs) about writing and what to put in our secondaries or primaries. Um, But yeah, like it was just kind of cool to text each other and celebrate each other's interviews because I have a lot of friends who aren't pre-med either. And when I tell them, you know, I got an interview to med school, they're like, oh, good, well-deserved. But like, I know they (laughs) truly understand (laughs) how hard it is to just get an interview. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because um, I, I heard the odds are pretty good once you get that interview, but the interview, just getting it is the hardest part. So that is always very incredibly impressive, every interview you get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's been a good cycle for both of us. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about your cycle. <laughs> I, I think it's gone pretty well. I'm in my second gap year. I actually did not decide to go to medical school until partway through junior year of undergrad. I kind of always wanted to go into healthcare, but I had a lot of different things that I was interested in. I wanted to explore things I was passionate about. So I applied later, which I think actually ended up being an advantage to me. I got to work a full-time job, but for applying, I had a little more time to study for the MCAT. I had my thesis under my belt from senior year, and it's been a pretty good application cycle. I've had I think five interviews, a few acceptances, waiting to hear back from a couple more schools. So I'm really excited and I can't wait wow. to figure out where I'm going to go. That's the next step. So sorry about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations, Hannah. I do want to ask you and feel free to share however you like. What is your why medicine? And I know you have a specific interest in primary care too, isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. So I want to do primary care. Why primary care? 
Um, so I grew up in New Mexico and I kind of saw from a young age various health disparities that people around me were experiencing, whether it was in terms of access to care. New Mexico has a really large primary care physician shortage and physician care shortage in general. And so I kind of saw that inability for people to get treatment for diseases that would have been easily preventable or treatable. And that was kind of my initial interest in primary care from the community health aspect And then I worked at a free clinic where we did primary care and I fell in love with the longitudinal relationship with patients that you can develop. So you get to know them, their family, their children, and more about them as a person. So we had patients that would come in maybe for one problem let's say there are diabetes, and then they would also want to talk about something else going on in their family. And just building that long-term relationship that was really trusting was really inspiring for me. I also want to do work in public health and community health. And I think for me, the best avenue to do that is through primary care. So that's awesome, Hannah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Wow. I don't really know a lot of people personally who are interested in primary care. What about? Yeah, me either. I actually think this is the first time that I've I've heard somebody say that they want to do primary care like officially forever. I have some friends that say in my classes that they are interested in trying it out, seeing if that maybe will be their path. But yeah, no, it's really great that you're so passionate about primary care. That's definitely something that we need to see more of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a part of it is just primary care is really hard, especially now you see a lot of patients insurance reimbursement rates aren't great. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of schools now are also looking for people interested in primary care, at least a small cohort. But a lot of people change their minds too in med school. I think I've just had a lot of experiences that have further solidified my interest. I had an initial interest and then working in different kind of primary care avenues. It was like, yes, this is for me. I know this is what I want to do. And I feel lucky knowing what I want to do before even going into medical school, but I'm still open to learning new things and seeing how to integrate other interests and other specialties in my career too. Yeah. And I'm glad you have that aspect of it as well. Cause I've met a lot of medical students through my Durham clinic, you know, who are pretty sad in the specialty they want to go into, but they also, they just really don't care about the current specialty they're rotating through. They're like, oh, I don't really need to learn more about this or really mm-hmm. work hard to understand this area because I am not going into it. But I don't think that's a good outlook to have about it. For example, one of our students was really interested in anesthesiology. And this student in particular was like not doing the homework, not reading about the specific skin cancers we were looking at or the like whatever dermatology techniques or just different diagnoses that we often see. And he just really did not seem to care about the specialty. But my physician made it clear. He was like, when you're an anesthesiologist, what if a patient like has a spot on their face that you notice? Like it's as a physician, make sure you do no harm. You could prevent something and like recommend, hey, you should go get that spot checked out and go see a dermatologist because I'm not a physician yet. I'd like to preface that. However, I have had experiences the physician I worked with treated me like a medical student and would ask me questions as I'm working as a scribe alongside him. So I've had a lot of experience and I feel like I can recognize and tell whether or not a spot, you know, 
is concerning and should go get checked out. And so I can just think, I really appreciate you, Hannah, for keeping an open mind when you're in medical school, because a lot of people don't. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of nice thing about primary care too. It infiltrates every field of medicine. So what can I learn on my surgery rotation that will influence how I treat a patient or how I send a referral or what I tell a patient about their surgery or who I'm sending them to? And I think that's like a great way to look at any field of medicine, even though this may not be the specialty I'm in, how can it influence how I treat my patient in whatever specialty I choose? Yeah, that's so true. And I'm really surprised at that story that you just told, Lexi, about that medical student. That's actually very concerning. <laughs> I like everything yeah. is so interconnected and you're exactly right. You need to be able to notice, even if you're an anesthesiologist, that something might be very wrong in like a variety of fields. So I'm really concerned about the fact that there are medical students out there that aren't paying attention on certain rotations because they're so set on one specialty. What if you decide you know, to change? I'd like to make note that these medical students in particular, they were being very overworked. They would explain to me, some of them, that at the time they were also like studying for step one or step two, and they didn't have time outside of like their rotations and shadowing physicians to adequately study and prepare. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand how a medical student is like checking out and really trying to like focus more of their energy towards their board exams. Right. Um, it's hard to strike a balance, I think, in medical school. And especially if you have a program that isn't supporting you like you want them to. That's so true. Okay. Really good point. Oh, that's kind of, we should fix that as well. <laughs> There's a couple of things that we need to work on with like medical school, medicine in general. And I think that overworking the medical students is definitely one of the biggest issues as well. Yeah, but also a lot of medical schools do a really fantastic job at supporting their school, like their students. And I know yeah. I've both gotten to programs that are like, we're going to designate this time in your curriculum and give you the appropriate resources you need. And if you ever have any questions, you can meet with our learning specialists, mm -hmm. and, like talk to us about it. And so pre-med students, when you're looking to medical schools, looking for applications, it's important for you to recognize that like, yes, you're applying to go to them, but they're also looking or I guess the way I should say this is choose the medical school that will support you the best you can, because there are some that won't and there are some that really, really will. And I think with that, too, there are some that maybe have a support system or structure that works better for you versus other people. Maybe I want a certain structure to my curriculum that you would not want. And so I think choosing the one that's best for you. I do think a lot of medical schools are becoming more aware of the mental health aspect of being a student and more conscious of their various efforts too around yeah. that student well-being. Yeah, those programs that you guys are looking into and you've gotten into, that's incredible. I think that th that's actually going to be so helpful when you get to medical school. It's going to make you guys amazing students and doctors. So definitely great advice, like really research the medical school, figure out where you'll be happy, figure out who will support you. Yeah, I'm going to definitely do that very soon when I make my med school list. I'm going to be really analyzing the schools before I get there. But I wanted to ask, Hannah, because you said that you didn't even decide to go to medical school until you were a junior. Yes. I mean, I think that that's it's incredible that you have done all the stuff that you've done since then. But what are some experiences that you feel prepared you for your cycle, for applying to medical school, for where you are now? 
And what ultimately solidified your decision to become a doctor if you didn't decide until you were a junior in college? (laughs) Wow, those are really good questions. I would say there were a lot of different experiences that I had that kind of solidified my desire to be a doctor. There was no one aha moment. It was like the piece of some experience I had, I really liked, but I was missing something else. And it was kind of a combination of what was missing and what I enjoyed about those things. So one of the first things I did was a summer internship where I got to shadow in different specialties across the hospital. So behavioral health, ICU, PICU, and also shadow PAs, NPs, respiratory therapists, physicians, kind of the whole gambit of the healthcare team. And that was, I think, really helpful for me just to see what can each of these roles look like in a clinical setting and how can they also look different depending on the specialty you choose. And that was kind of my first like, okay, maybe I want to be a physician, but I want to know a lot more about research, about public health, about psychology. I'm also interested in sustainability. So I wanted to explore that as well. And then I did research my sophomore year of undergrad doing behavioral science research. So basically trying to improve people's light physical activity through the development of kind of an app. And that was kind of my insight into, oh, like I'm interested in behavior change. How do you get people to modify their behaviors, which is incredibly hard to do. There's a whole (laughs) field of research on it. And that was kind of like my, oh, you know, I really like working with people. I like this idea of how can you help people improve their life. I also volunteered at various food pantries and I volunteered at a medical referral food pantry where people who were experiencing food insecurity and also a chronic disease like diabetes or hypertension caused in part by food insecurity could come and receive healthy and nutritious food and seeing the impact that made on patients, patients' hemoglobin A1C levels drop, which for those of you that don't know is an indicator of diabetes, or they got to reduce their hypertension meds and seeing that impact that even just nutritious food had on these patients and getting to hear their stories of how their lives changed because of it was really inspirational for me. But I also realized I wanted to do more than just be able to provide people nutritious food. I wanted to treat all of the ailments they had. And that was kind of my like, okay, I know I want to go into healthcare. And then a lot of various experiences kind of led me to my why physician, why medicine, because I think everyone in the healthcare team is important. And there are so many things you can do, no matter what, whether you're a PA, NP, nurse, but I worked for a free clinic and I worked really closely with the medical director who was a physician. And I got to see his role in clinic policy and developing procedures for the clinic and kind of changing how patient care was done. And I realized I want to have that level of leadership or that ability to do that. I also witnessed a lot of social determinants of health, and that made me realize I want to do research health disparities, social determinants of health, and then apply that to medicine and public policy. So basically, my why being a physician is because I love that clinical care longitudinal aspect. I wanted to incorporate research and advocacy and public policy into my career. And I felt that for me, being a physician was the best way to do that. That is such an incredible journey. If you're applying to med school and they ask you why physician, take notes. (laughs) Yeah. That was an amazing answer. That was really good. (laughs) That was awesome, Hannah. Wow. What a long story. And I think it's really 
awesome how you described that multiple different avenues and multiple different experiences, not like that one aha experience Mm -hmm. motivated you into medicine. And I think, you know, some people have that one aha experience, but I'm someone that really likes to weigh the pros and cons of everything. And I definitely also like lacked the confidence to say that's what I wanted to do. So it took a lot of thinking, evaluating, self-reflection. I think that's a huge piece of going into medicine is self-reflection. What did I like about this thing? What did I not like about this thing? What did it tell me about myself and what I want to do in my career? What attributes I possess that would make me a good physician or clinician? So I think self-reflecting is really important. And this, for all of you that don't know if you want to go into medicine or not, that's okay. There's always time. I had to take three semesters of organic chemistry because I <laughs> I initially wanted to go a different route. And the school I went to had an option for a one semester version of organic chemistry. And that's the original one I took. But most med schools, you need two semesters. And that was almost like a barrier for me to decide to go into medicine. I was like, I'm going to have to retake OCHEM. I did. You know, I did okay, <laughs> but I really... Didn't necessarily want to do that. And I was like, you know what? I can do it. It's so worth it. And so I think, you know, sometimes even if you change your path and you feel like, oh, well, I should have made this decision earlier, it's always worth it to change it if you think that's what you want to do. Yeah. No, that's very valid. Honestly. Yeah. Three is crazy. (laughs) I think that's so funny that you said that almost deterred you from (laughs) the extra semesters of OCHEM. That's so fair, though. So fair. (laughs) It was just also just kind of dumb. It's just like a weed out course, you know, for it is. Yeah. often. And I can't wait to take that three times. That being said, I loved OCHEM by the end of it. So it was worth it. I ended up loving all my science classes. I really understood organic chemistry. I felt like conceptually after three semesters. So, oh my gosh. I love OCHEM too, mainly because you got to play with the toys. You know what I'm talking about, Natalie? The (laughs) The little blocks. The little 3D models in the blocks because my professor at the time let me use them during my exam. I don't know. Well, not my professor the first two Mm. semesters, I don't think. I don't remember, actually. That was so long ago. I know. I don't remember any of my professor's names except for my OCHEM professor, I think. Yeah. His name was so unique in my right. PL. I think that over the course of time, I'm also realizing that I'm forgetting my my like freshman year professors, and I'm, I'm only a junior. So. so, Hannah, did you plan to take two gap years, or was it kind of like Lexi where it just happened, like you just had more opportunities come up and decided to take another gap year what what happened there so I initially was planning on taking one gap year I was going to apply at the end of my senior year of college take the MCAT that April but I had a lot going on I was working I was doing research I was doing my thesis I was volunteering at two places I was taking OCHEM and physics and Mm -hmm some other classes. And I just realized I had so much going on. I could not do the application cycle justice. It takes a lot of time and effort to put together that application, not to mention money. And I felt like if I waited another year, I would have time to prepare. I would have better letters of recommendation. I would have even more experiences. I was also offered the experience chance to be a clinic manager, which I really wanted to take to understand the healthcare system better. 
And so I decided to wait. So no, initially I was not planning on taking two gap years, but I could not be happier with that decision. Yeah, that's so true. You have to just see, you really have to analyze yourself and your life and see where you're going to do best, what time is best for you to apply because, you know, there's no rush in the end. I feel like sometimes we feel like there's a rush, but there's really, it's a long journey. So (laughs) taking one extra year is totally like, that's not going to hurt you at all. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's some people that go in straight after undergrad, which is awesome. It was not possible for me since I did not decide till my junior year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And those people also do wonderfully. I think it's really about, like you said, what is best for you? How much time do you need to take to study for the MCAT? How much experience do you already have before applying? I think being honest with yourself about the time you have for the application cycle and your experiences. Do you have research experience? Do you have in-depth clinical experience? Do you have volunteer experience? How are you going to form all of these into activities descriptions or into your personal statement? And that takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Yeah. And kudos to those who def- who apply their senior year of college because I tried. I like started my application. I was going through it. But like you, Hannah, I felt like I couldn't do it justice. And if you're someone and I get lots of questions from pre-med students actually about this and during the conference who were just like, why should I take a gap year or you know, their parents are like, you shouldn't take a gap year because then you won't go to med school or you won't continue your education. Many people fear that if they stop school, that they won't be able to start it up again. I don't think that will be the case at all, especially if you're a pre-med going to medical school. Again, the application process is a whole year. And so even though we're in our second gap year, I still feel like I'm working and and like writing and that's like a job in itself is just applying. But also what's great about a gap year, if you're someone who just worked so hard in college that you felt like you couldn't have enough time to do some of like those hobbies that you really wanted to do. I know for me, that was the case. I got to like discover some things that I love, like reading and rock climbing, which is something Hannah and I love both <laughs> love to do. We went rock climbing last night. It was awesome. Your gap year can also be an opportunity to not only strengthen your application, but have a little fun and take a little break and maybe travel a bit or discover new hobbies. Yeah. And I think it can be an opportunity to figure out who you are outside of being a student. Medicine can get hard. School can get hard. And when that happens, what other outlets do you have to cope with stress or anxiety or whatever you may be going through? And I think a gap year is a great opportunity to figure those things out. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes there's some sort of stigma when you say that you're taking a gap year. I think in the medical student pre-med community, we understand now that when you're on a gap year, you're still working really hard all the time. It's not like you're just lounging around taking a year off. Like that's not it at all. Most of us are applying, like how you said, Lexi, like writing all the time, like still working, still volunteering and just still grinding. And I think that Maybe like the people that were asking you questions from the pre, the National Pre-Health Conference about how their parents say that they're not going to go to med school if they take a year off. And it's like, I don't see that. I don't see that perspective at all. I think maybe the older generation has the wrong impression if they're saying that to their children, because I think they would still be working really hard throughout that whole year. So it's very interesting. I'm excited for my gap year. I like that you guys are so passionate about it. <laughs> so what do you want to do during your gap year? Do you have a plan? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be applying for sure. I'm planning to apply. Well, gosh, maybe I shouldn't say for sure. <laughs> I'm planning to apply. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm planning to apply my spring of my senior year. But like how you guys said, like anything can happen. Like maybe it just won't be the time. So that's, it could happen. But I'm planning to be doing my application in med school. And then I hope to be working as a scribe. That's something that I really want to do during my gap year. and. Yeah, also just kind of trying to get more into my hobbies, like how Lexi was saying, and like figure out who I am outside of studying for tests and doing homework. <laughs> so yeah. I also wanted to ask you, Hannah, what was your major in, when you were in college? I was a biology major, but I started out as a biology major, switched to global health, switched back to biology. I did also consider engineering in there, psychology, oh my. environmental science. Um, <laughs> you can tell she's going into primary care. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big thing for me too, was figuring out what major I wanted to have and what avenues I wanted to explore. Like I said, I was not pre-med, so my biology interest was unre- like was somewhat related to wanting to go into healthcare, but was just more of an interest in the subject and topic. And I had a hard time freshman year with confidence. Even though I did just find my classes, I was like, maybe biology isn't for me. And then I took genetics and developmental biology and I fell in love with biology. I do not think that's something you probably hear from many students that they love genetics and developmental biology, but I was like, yes, this is my jam. I love this. I love learning about human body, about endocrinology. So then I stuck with it. What were you feeling insecure about with your classes? I think it was just, you know, I moved to a new state. I did not know anyone. It was all in my head, really. And I think it's so easy when you're a pre-med to compare yourself to other pre-meds. Like, oh, I'm not doing research yet. I'm already behind. Or in my case, it was just other students in my biology major. And I think that's what it was. I think I just felt like maybe I didn't have it, whatever it was. Yeah. But I think, you know, everyone figures out their own path and maybe someone, it seems like they're not struggling, but they are. Yeah, um, yeah it, was just, I, it was largely a confidence thing, though. I think okay. that I slowly had to work through over time. So you're kind of saying that your passion helped you overcome yeah. the insecure? Okay, great. It did. It absolutely did. Aw, Hannah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just like, I'm so passionate about these things that I know I can do it and like I will do whatever it takes to learn what I need to learn about these things that I'm passionate about. Hannah, we're like the same person. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, you guys remind me so much of each other. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like, whatever it takes. Reminds me of that song, Eye of the Tiger. It's like the eye of the tiger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all about determination. Determination. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I had a patient come in to our clinic actually like a couple of years ago, but she came in and she had a PhD in chemistry. And we were talking to her and being like, that's so interesting. Like you must be so smart. And she was saying, you know, honestly, the people with PhDs and all the people that are really accomplished in life, it's not that they're extremely smart maybe, or like a genius. It's just that they're extremely stubborn. (laughs) She was saying like, she just never gave up, like no matter what. She was like, yeah, I don't think I'm some genius in chemistry, but I really loved it. And I stuck with it. And I was 
very stubborn about getting my PhD and I did it. (laughs) You know what? I think stubbornness is a key attribute of a physician. (laughs) Just kidding. But it's just I like think, resilience. Yeah, is. that's literally that's literally what I was, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like stubbornness is resilience and perseverance, but in a nicer way. <laughs> so true. Yeah. 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 So Hannah, I want to talk to you a little bit more about your gap year experiences. I think your experience getting involved with the NIH is very unique. And I wanted to ask you if you could explain how you got involved with that and maybe give our pre-meds like an insight into what you do and maybe help them like if they are interested in working for the NIH one day, how can they get involved and what projects do they have? Absolutely. So like I said, during my first gap year, I was a clinic manager. I had already had some prior research experience, both doing wet lab research and behavioral sciences research. And the NIH has a postback program that anyone can apply to um, if you just look it up. And they have research in all sorts of different areas. The NIH has different branches kind of across scattered throughout the U.S. And so you apply, find PIs and research that you're interested in, reach out to those people, and then they select you for a position. And normally it's one to two years. The idea is that you're going to apply to grad school, med school, PA school, some further schooling once you're done or like as you're in the process of doing a post back there. I do diabetes and obesity research. Like I said, I'm really passionate about preventative care, about the treatment of chronic diseases. So that's kind of how I landed in that area. And it's been an incredible experience, lots of mentorship, learning a lot. Would definitely recommend for anyone that's interested. And they have a lot of opportunities too for pre-meds. They have workshops, they have Q&A sessions. So things that like that that are really helpful as well. But yeah, that's how I got Do you know what the program is called? So maybe I can put it in the show notes for our pre-med students. Is it like NIH gap year program? I'll look it up. I can't remember. Um, Hannah will send it to me and I'll put it in the show notes. My listeners. I'm trying to remember the exact name of the program. It might have changed. Is it post-bac program? Yes. Okay. That's it. I found it. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's just Google NIH post-bac program and you'll find it. Pretty simple. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like an amazing experience. I think that's incredible that you did all of that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I have a friend that's doing it too. She's in a different location and is applying to grad school. So really it is an opportunity for anyone that wants to do research and then further Mm -hmm. their education after that. So even if you choose, maybe medicine isn't for me, but I want to get my PhD or a master's, it's still a great opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hannah, I want to talk about more fun things. Okay. Not that the application cycle isn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Very fun. But, you know, we've done a lot of like trips this past year. We've gone on little weekend getaways and hiking. We love mm-hmm. to rock climb. And so, oh, that's so um, tell me about how excited you are for med school and like the hobbies you'll continue. What are your goals for your hobbies Mm -hmm. in med school? That's a good question. I'm so excited for med school. I truly cannot wait. I think it'll be a great opportunity. Like you said, I've started rock climbing a lot. So I want to continue doing that. And most schools, it seems like have a rock climbing club. Apparently a lot of med students like to rock (laughs) climb. Ideally do that. 
I'm also trying to train for a triathlon right now. Emphasis on the trying. I do not love running. <laughs> so some schools have like a triathlon club. I being close to the community and community service is really important to me. So whether that's volunteering at free clinics through the med school or doing outreach that way, I want to do that. Yeah. And I think just overall getting to socialize with a small group of people who likely live really close to you is also really exciting and have different interests and passions. So I'm excited to see also what else I find out that I enjoy and like to do being surrounded by a different group of people too. Yeah, Hannah, I totally get that. And I'm very excited to like be a medical student, but also go back to school and have that social circle again. I think it's been a little mm-hmm. hard during the gap year to like find friends. I mean, Hannah, you've been awesome. I'm, <laughs> she's like one of few people in my life where I text and I'm like, Hey, you want to be, we want to do this and on this day or this weekend, you're like, sure, absolutely. Let's go. So that's great. <laughs> but like, I guess what I'm saying is when I'm going to medical school, it'll be exciting to like have a group of people who are all going through the same thing, whether it's struggling or studying and all have like a similar amount of free time to get together and go rock climbing together, take weekend trips, go hike, hang out with each other. And so I'm pretty excited. And one thing that really stood out to me about the med school that I'm probably going to end up in the fall is they said during my interview, they were like, by the time you graduate, we want you to have 155 new best friends. Aww. And I was Sweet. like, that is so cute. When I told Alex, he laughed out loud. And I was like, whatever. Just kidding. He thought it was awesome. <laughs> no, that is so cute. I love that. I feel like I just would never expect that from a medical school to say that. But the, I yeah, love- it was very surprising. And, you know, it also shows you that, like, choose a medical school that also honors your quality of life as well. They'll help you be a doctor, but they also want to recognize your mental health and make sure you have some fun and enjoy your life during medical school too. And I thought that was very unique for that program. And that's just something I love about school in general, you know, is that community and just relating to your peers. (laughs) Yes. And I think too, you know, med schools, PA schools, grad programs, they choose a class very intentionally that they think will get along well, or maybe have skills that kind of match each other or differences in some things, but similarities in others. So I think that's also really nice. It's kind of a curated group of people that the deans and admissions committees think you'll mesh with. Yeah, it's very interesting that they do that, you know, but it makes sense. You want a diverse class, you have diversity of thought and also like people interested in various different specialties to graduate from your school. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm really excited to see where, where we will both end up in the fall, Anna. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think it's an exciting opportunity too to like choose if you get the choice. If not, getting into one school is amazing. But kind of getting to say, okay, this is the next phase of my life. What do I want to accomplish during it? Where do I want to live? What kind of things do I want in the medical school that I'm going to? So kind of getting to be intentional with those choices about your next steps in your career is really nice too. Yeah. Having choices in a medical school is absolutely amazing. (laughs) I know for a lot of people out there, there is not a choice, but that is totally fine. Of course, you only need one, but that just shows like definitely 
do your research beforehand and don't apply anywhere that you don't actually want to go or that you don't think will make you successful because that's just a waste of your time. And if that's the only school you get into, uh, <laughs> you're not going to yeah, be Natalie, you make a 100% a good point. I feel like I chose my med school list very carefully. And I was like, if I'm accepted to any of these schools, I will be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. So make sure you feel the same way when you make your school list for those applying. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree with that. I think Looking at their MCAT score is kind of important, but more than that, more than the GPA, more than the MCAT is, is it a good mission fit with what you want to do? Or do they have programs that you're interested in? Do you want to live in the city where it is? Do you want to work with the populations that their students work with? And looking at all of those things, even before applying. So you can answer why medical school, why X medical school right away. Yeah. And if they have rock climbing, apparently, because that's so common. Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I'm learning right now that I need to start training for med. I didn't even know I needed to do a physical training aspect to my medical school application <laughs> Natalie, as well. But... <laughs> come rock climbing with us. I think I might have to. Go every Friday. Come with us. I don't want to be left out in med school, <laughs> the rock climbing club. <laughs> okay. I think that you have to be really strong to rock climb, huh? Are you guys like... I'm getting stronger. Guess what? Hmm. Hannah can do a pull-up. I can do two pull-ups in a round and a half. Um, That was my big 2023 fitness goal was to be able to do a pull-up. Oh my. How did you train for that? I started rock climbing. I lift weights a couple times a week, but rock climbing I think really helped. And I think for me, we were talking about hobbies in medical school. Rock climbing is really nice because you really can only focus on climbing while you're climbing. You cannot think about a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So having a hobby yeah. that can completely take your mind off of whatever's going on, even if it's for 30 minutes or an hour once a week, will be really nice in medical school. And the yeah. goal of getting more and more pull-ups every year will be really good. <laughs> By the end of med school, how many pull-ups will you do? Oh no! What's your goal? I don't know if I want to on tell the, you on the air. Um, <laughs> lock it in right now. Ten. Oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty solid. That's um, solid. I can do a quarter. Is that? <laughs> I'm like, should I embarrass myself right now and say that I don't even know if I can do a push up? <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't do a push up. Like, I, I but you know what? Really push ups. <laughs> I'm going to start training you guys. I want to be strong like you guys. When you rock climb, are you strapped in or can you fall? Like how does <laughs> Yeah, we do top roping. We are strapped in. We have okay. a people boulder. I have not done that yet. I'm a little scared of falling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz in bouldering you have to like fall a certain way or else you'll hurt yourself. Yeah. Don't, yeah like, you got to learn how to fall. That. No, I also already broke my ankle running <gasps> last year. And so I feel like falling from any sort of height would not be good for that. I actually broke it for the second time. So I, I don't want to make that a third. You know, this sounds so silly, but yeah, you're strapped in, you're like attached to a rope. It's like a pulley system sort of. And then the other person's belaying you and making sure you don't fall. But sometimes when I'm halfway, I imagine that there's no rope so that it Why? like- I don't know. I just think it's exciting. Are you okay? <laughs> I, I do not imagine that. Let me be clear. I'm I, not I like knowing there's a rope there. I never think, oh, what if there's not a rope? I go, good thing this rope's solid. Um, yeah. I had yeah, a friend when I was studying abroad that would he would rock climb like everywhere we would go. Like oh. in the wild, he would climb. 
And it, it was incredible. I was always so scared because he would climb so high and like on these like cliffs and like, I don't know. It was, it freaked me out, but I don't know if he ever, ever slipped or had any problems, but he would also show us his like fingers after and his, like the skin of his fingers would be like just raw and like ripped from like gripping the rocks. And I'm like, whoa, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. So is that the kind of thrill that you're looking for, Lexi, when you imagine there's no rope? <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of into the adrenaline rush, but last time I went skiing, I did cry. So I don't think, (laughs) I don't think it's for me. (laughs) You know, that is one of my goals during medical school. If I join a school with a rock climbing club is to go outdoor climbing once. That's a whole different thing than indoor climbing, but I feel like that would be a really fun next step. So We'll see if I a, have the time in med school to do that or the equipment or the people, but I think that would be really fun. Natalie, have you seen Free Solo? No, I have not. I did. Yeah. How did you amazing. feel about it? I was like, that's amazing, but I'm scared watching this for whoever the yeah. person was in that. So I'm not going to spoil it, but it's about this guy who like free climbs. So no ropes, no harness or anything. He just climbs a giant mountain without any really equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Other than like chalk, mm-hmm. um, like my friend. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, he doesn't hook himself into the no mountain. He was oh, just God. climbing. I'm sure he's heard a free solo. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask him. But I remember when they like scanned his brain in this documentary. They were like, "What is wrong with him? Like, how is he able to do this?" And it was like something about the fear part of his brain wasn't working properly. Because oh. you know, I feel like I'd go into flight or flight, but. Watch that documentary and maybe you'll love rock climbing. (laughs) I will. I'll get back to you. I'll I'll definitely have to look into that now that I know it's basically a prerequisite to be a medical student. Mm -hmm. I also Mm -hmm. heard golf is a big thing for like the medical community in general. People telling me you need to learn how to golf because when you doctor, everybody golfs. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I I guess I need to start golfing. I I have yet to golf. I'll play tennis. I'll do running. I'll do anything. But golf is is something I've never tried. interested in. (laughs) I've never really golfed either. Mini golf. Is is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) A mini golf club? I would literally love that. (laughs) That would be so fun. That would be so fun. Love mini golf. (laughs) Not the best at it, but Hannah, you also said that you're training for a triathlon, right? Yes. Right now? Yes. When is the triathlon? Well, I have yet to sign up because I keep getting injured. But if I do sign up for one, it'll be in like April or May. That uh, is incredible. That's going to be a real like endeavor. That's an un- Yes. Like- yes. And it would just be a sprint to clarify. I'm not doing an Ironman, oh. which is where they run a marathon and bike. Oh. So it would be a sprint. So it's like a, I want to say a 500 meter swim, something like that a 5k and then 20 40 mile bike ride something like that and i can so i'm working my way up to it i had to modify my training i can only run like once or twice a week so yeah i will be there with a giant poster that has some (laughs) very smart whatever metaphor on it (laughs) it's got a pun on it (laughs) i'll have a pun for each phase of the triathlon oh my god a water pun an earth pun and a Air pun, maybe you know, yeah. where it's elements. Mm. Yeah. and I'll be there standing next to Lexi with a giant sign of your face on it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend, um, who did do triathlons, and her partner did make a big poster. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
It was very cute. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. That is really cute and so fun. I wish that I was able to do that much physical activity at once. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have to work my way up to it. But I feel like anyone can do triathlons. They're very open to new people in the community. People will walk parts of it. Yeah. I would say it's a very welcoming. Yeah, for sure. Because it's just that you it's your time kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, if you're like intense about it, you want to get like a good yes. time. But if you just yes. want to do it, you can totally take it easy. <laughs> yes. And, you know, there are people that are really dedicated to it and train a few hours a day, four hours, five hours a day. So it can be as intense as you make yeah. it. But being oh. a pre-med and then med student, it will not yeah. be that intense for me. Well, I have the time for that. It. That's my goal. No time goal, just completion. The yeah. medal. Yeah. For the medal. <laughs> What do you think is the hardest part of the running, the swimming, and the biking? For me, running. Really? Yeah, I feel like, you know, it makes the most sense because you're really on your joints. Because mm-hmm. cycling, you're kind of sitting and yeah. swimming, you know, your joints are free. So, yeah, I can totally get that. And I swam in high school, so I'm more comfortable. Oh. I've cycled a lot. And like I said, I broke my ankle. So running is kind of hit or miss depending on the day and if it, if, like it's rainy out it hurts when it's rainy out so wait are you doing the one where you swim in tempe town lake yes oh my god okay people out of state of arizona tempe town lake is like a salty what is it like a just salt water? Just an artificial lake, lake. Wait, yeah. there's it's like brine though isn't it it's like not good i don't really want to how is that good it? for your skin oh, it, it's not i don't think it's good for your yeah skin. wait i didn't know that part <laughs> i'll still be there and support you <laughs> i will not be going near that water but yeah we'll still support <laughs> i have never been in the tempe town lake water i've paddleboarded on the tempe town lake and i've ran around it but i've never been in the water so mm. have people died in that water I have no idea. I think there have, but I think that people have probably died in every large body of water. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So it'll be fine. Poor, well, poor good people. luck on your triathlon. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, take it easy on your ankle, your poor ankle yeah. that you've broken multiple times. Don't break the third time, please. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us on the Pre-Health Pod. It's been awesome having you. Thanks so much. This was so fun. Yeah. And I guess we always like to ask our guest speakers if there's like one last maybe sentence or phrase or whatever you want to say to our pre-meds, some last like Mm. little advice and motivation to give them. I think my biggest piece of advice is be intentional in the activities that you choose. If you're thinking about a clinical opportunity, do you want to scribe? Do you want to be an MA? Do you want to do something else? Why do you want to do that? What do you think you are going to get out of that? What do you want to learn out of that? Or if it's volunteering or some other or research, why do you want to do that? What will it teach you? And then how do you want to reflect on it? What do you want to learn from it? So yeah, just be intentional with your journey, whatever that means for you. Beautiful. Introspection. Well said. Well said. This podcast is produced by Ari Rosenthal and Lorelai Edmonds. You can find our conference on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at National Pre-Health Community or MPHC 2020. You can also find our podcast on Instagram at Pre-Health Pod. You can find our next event and unfortunately our last National Pre-Health Conference of 2024, our fifth conference ever. 
And it's at our website at nationalprealfconfconf.org. That is May 18th through the 19th, completely free for anybody all over the world. Please like and leave a review or tell one friend if you liked our pod. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in a few weeks. Bye, Natalie. Bye.